Good morning, everybody. For a camera shy person like me, it is such a pain to keep staring at this lens and assume that you're all around uh, sitting and listening to me. How many of us have really been taken unawares with an unexpected guest at home? I remember once when I was a bachelor, uh, one of our housemates' uncle decided to land up abruptly and how at that time we moved uh, heaven and earth to kind of get the house in shape. Even now sometimes, uh, you know, when you're in a house with boys, sometimes the house can look like a road roller just went through it and then you have to get the house quickly in shape before someone comes. Keep the thought in mind. Um, today we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 25. It's a very popular parable and uh, let's read through this uh, particular parable. Matthew chapter 25, it's the parable of the 10 virgins or the 10 bridesmaids. Let's read from verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. So for us to really understand what this parable is all about, we need to understand a little bit about how a Jewish wedding took place. So the Jewish wedding took place in three phases. So in phase one, you had the engagement, just like how we have an engagement today. And however, in their engagement, the girl and the boy didn't really have much of a role. And the key role was being played by the two fathers. So during the engagement, the fathers on both sides would come together and they would get into an agreement to give away the kids to each other. So that was phase one. Phase two is a very important phase and it's called the betrothal. So during the betrothal ceremony, what happens is the girl and the boy come together along with their families and friends. And this is when they exchange their vows. So they exchange their vows, they make their covenant and uh, in front of their family and friends and of course in front of God. Uh, but however, there's a catch here. The girl and the boy does not begin to live together after the betrothal. The boy actually after the betrothal ceremony, he leaves the girl in her house and goes back to his home with his family. And he spends about a year's time getting the place prepared to bring his wife home. So normally what the boy would do is during this time, he would uh, build an extension to his dad's house. Uh, he might go and do additional job to make some extra money. So he would do everything that is needed to bring his wife home and give her a comfortable life. So he would take up to a year's time. Uh, during, this, uh, uh, during this time between the second and the third phase. 
Now the third phase is a very important phase. It's a big phase. It's a celebratory phase. There's a lot of fun and festivity that happens in the third phase. So in the third phase, what happens is the boy along with his uh, friends and, and, and maybe the rest of the family, they come from his village to the girl's village. They come in a procession and they take the girl and her bridesmaids and they go in a procession with lit torches to the boy's house. Now this is a very grand festival kind of an atmosphere which, is, which, which happens when this procession happens. They hold their torches, there's a lot of fun and festivity that happens along the way and it's, it's, it's unlike the weddings that happen today. Today we often go for weddings with suit and boot and you know, we, we, we stay stiff. But those days uh, things were surprisingly not so formal. And the wedding in a society was often the biggest, uh, the biggest event that happened uh, in that uh, day and age. So this parable is actually set in phase three. Okay, so just keep that in mind. This parable is set in phase three. It says, "In the kingdom of heaven, will be comparable to ten virgins." Now we'll use uh, we the, we'll use the term bridesmaids because that's what they were. They're called your virgins because uh, the bridesmaids were chosen from the girl's immediate family of friends, just like how uh, things are done today. And they were young unmarried women. And it says they took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So lamps not like the lamps which you might have in your mind with the oil and with the wick inside which you hold in your hand. It was actually a torch. So it had a long pole and at the top there was a place to put the oil and there was a wick and then they would put the flame so that uh, the fire would come up and this is what they used to hold in their hands when they did this uh, celebratory procession from the girl's home to the boy's home okay uh, and it says they took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom so you can imagine they might have been waiting these bridesmaids would have been waiting at the girl's home uh, expecting the bridegroom's arrival so they might have had their dress uh, it says they definitely had their torch because the torch was very important. It was a very important proper and accessory for a bridesmaid and for a bridegroom as well. And they were waiting there. So they were externally already awaiting the bridegroom's arrival. Now we come to uh, verse 2. Verse 2 says that five of them were foolish and five were prudent. Now why were they foolish and prudent? We read in the next verse. It says, for when the foolish took their lambs, they took no oil with them. So we saw that how externally they seem to have been well prepared. But the key thing is that five out of the ten were foolish. The Bible calls them foolish. So Jesus calls them foolish. And they were, they're called foolish because they did not take any oil with them. Oftentimes when I've thought about this parable, I thought that the oil ran out. But the fact is they did not have the oil. So what is this parable trying to, trying to indicate? It indicates that there is a group of people who profess to be the children of God. They have all the external appearances that might seem to indicate that they are children of God. However, they don't have Christ inside them. They don't have the Spirit of God living inside them. And it's interesting that Jesus chose the number of 5 out of 10, not having the oil. Now, we don't want to say that uh, half, the church, uh, half the church is uh, full of uh, people who really don't have the Spirit of God residing in them. We don't want to say that. 
but it gives us an indication that churches in general there is a significant number of people who might be externally living and showing that they are good Christians but they may not be having Christ within themselves and then in verse 4 it says that the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps so they had sufficient oil so that along the way as they do this march they would have enough oil so that which will last them all the way up to the bridegroom's home and uh, when we look at uh, the the next verse it says that now while the bridegroom was delaying they all got drowsy and began to sleep now i told you that uh, the 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 torch that they held was a very key accessory so sometimes you might wonder that what is this big deal about the torch but maybe uh, maybe like today's groom and 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 the bridesmaids just like how they have the bouquet or something the torch was an important accessory that 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 indicated that these were part of the wedding party and they were the bridesmaids and they were the groom and 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 frankly it's an honor to be a bridesmaid or a or a or a or a, or a groomsman uh even today right when we have all our weddings and some of you have been bridesmaids yourself some of you have been a groomsman yourselves and do you know that when you are asked to take on a particular role it is an honor and you want to do everything that is possible to make the day great for that particular couple you want to ensure that you're dressed well you're decked well you want to ensure that you come for the rehearsals which happen the day before so that all what you do will lead to a great ceremony uh on that day and 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 it could be memorable for this particular couple um so 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 these 10 bridesmaids also should have been well prepared for the arrival of the groom now when we look at uh, verse 5 it says that the bridegroom was delaying now why was he delaying we don't know it doesn't say that but the groom was delaying for some reason which is known to himself maybe his uh, his wedding car got punctured and the groomsman had to change the tires you know we don't know but uh, but the groom was delayed for some reason now if you look at it even today as the church waits for the lord jesus christ to come uh, people have been expecting him right from the first century in fact in fact the disciples thought that jesus christ would come during their time and if you look at the early church fathers they thought that christ would come during their time you know recently i was i was listening to some some podcasts around church history and it's incredible how the early church was persecuted and how several people were martyred and gave up their lives for their faith and those people as they went through these trials and as they went through these persecutions and as martyrdom was happening they also expected the imminent arrival of the lord jesus christ and today we ourselves await the arrival of the lord jesus christ uh, when we see things happening around us yes it does give us an indication that his coming is near and we also eagerly wait for his arrival but 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 we still don't know when he is going to come and we sometimes think that his coming is delayed and here also the bridegroom it says was delaying and it says that at midnight there was a shout behold the bridegroom come out to meet him so this must have been uh, an advance party which uh, which which went ahead and which announced the arrival of the groom 
to get people ready because already they were late and and it's already past uh, i mean it is midnight it says that at midnight there was a shout behold the bridegroom come out to meet him so just you can just imagine at that time all these bridesmaids would have gotten up they would have gotten ready they would have uh, they would have uh, made the final arrangements to go out in the procession along with the groom to his home now as we as we've come to this verse i want us to just uh, think about and see just 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 reflect on our own lives just just look at our own church or churches that we are in you know we we often find several people who seem to know the right answers who seem to know how to associate with the right people they might be involved in a lot of church activities they might seem to give you a lot of external indications that they are people of the fold however there would be a a percentage of people who might not have really known christ now if like i said if jesus is saying that 5 out of the 10 were foolish uh there would definitely be some percentage of this in all our churches and that is for us to really be aware of the fact that there are people who profess to be christians and there are people who might not be real christians deep within them okay and uh, let's move on and then when we come to verse 7 it says that then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps so on top of these lamps you know they would put this cloth and this cloth would act like a wick and they would sometimes have to trim the lamp uh, trim the uh, cloth so that it remains inside properly so that when the oil is poured the light the the the, the torch can be lit okay uh and 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 then verse 8 says that the foolish said to the prudent give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out Now, can you imagine the embarrassment this is going to bring to the couple here were people chosen from their best friends and from their relatives they've been called for their big day and normally like we said earlier they would do everything that is possible to make this day grand for the couple and even for they themselves right after the couple uh the bridesmaids and the groomsmen were the i mean they kept a lot of attention and they would really want to do everything to make the wedding ceremony a great one but however we find unfortunately these people who were not well prepared and here we find them telling the fool said to the prudent give us some of your oil for our lamps are running out imagine imagine ima- imagine the situation right imagine this particular situation when they are saying that their lamp is running out like i said the procession is going to happen in the night it is a spectacular event that would take place they would have these groomsmen and the bridesmaids walking with torches from one village to the other and if you don't have a lamp if you don't have a torch at night how embarrassing is that going to be for the whole wedding party now folks i just want us to uh just to reflect internally and i just want us to think is any of us really unprepared to meet our savior we might be giving indication to others that we are saved we might be associating with the church for certain reasons we might be coming to church for cultural reasons we might be coming to church 
because someone is expecting us to be part of this church. We might be coming to church because it just makes us feel good, because of the lovely songs that we sing, the fellowship that we have, the places that we hang out together. There's a lot of good things happening in the church. But when God looks us at, looks at us today, is he seeing us as wise or is he seeing us as foolish? Despite all the multiple warnings that are given to us in the word of God and repeatedly told to us in churches and in several meetings, have we really had that encounter with God? Have we really given our life to God? Have we really been convinced of the fact that we are sinners and that we need Christ in our lives? Now the Bible says that uh, you know, when God created all of us, he created us in a perfect manner. He created us without sin. However, our first, our, the first man, Adam, because of his disobedience, sin came into the world as a result of which we all sin today. Because we are born in sin and we all sin today. And when God, with his holy lens, when he looks at us, we deserve nothing but eternal death. And we deserve to go to hell. However, he decided to send his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to come into this world and to bear all our punishment upon himself. And he died and he rose again. And today he is expecting us to follow him, to receive him into, into, into our hearts. In fact, in, in fact, as Jesus is building up on this particular, on this particular message, uh, through these parables, if you, if, you, if you turn in your Bibles, if you turn back a few pages to Matthew chapter 22, there's another wedding parable. And this is, the, uh, this is called the parable of the marriage feast. And here we find that initially some people are called but they don't attend. And then when some others are called into the wedding, uh, we find that there's a man here who is not wearing the wedding attire. And, and, and when the king comes and when he looks at his guests and he sees that there's a man who is not dressed in wedding clothes, he actually takes this man and throws him out. So what, what the parable also indicates is that when God looks at us, what he sees is our sinful self. However, when we have Christ in our hearts, he sees us having put on the robe of Christ's righteousness. And that is the only thing that makes us worthy to go into the wedding party, to go with Christ into heaven. In fact, if you look at uh, Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 19, there is a marriage which is, which, which, which is taking place. And it says that Christ is the groom and then we the church, the church is, is his holy bride. And there's a wedding which is going to take place in heaven. Today sometimes when, when there's a good marriage, when you see a, a couple doing really well, you say that their marriage is made in heaven. But this is a real marriage which is going to be made in heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ gets married to his bride, the church, the bride that he bought with his own blood. And the question to ask ourselves is, all of us who are in churches, who are going to some church or the other, the question to ask ourselves is, do we really have Christ in us? Just like how the wise uh, bridesmaids had their oil, do we really have the oil uh, in our torches? Let's mourn. It says that, but the prudent said, no, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Now, the, now, now, now when the foolish bridesmaids asked the wise uh, bridesmaids, they said, we cannot give it to you because we need it 
for our journey? How can we give it to you? Now, this is another thing which we need to uh, keep in mind. Uh, the, the, the faith that we have, the, the salvation that we have, unfortunately, cannot be passed down from anybody. I cannot inherit from my dad, neither can I give it to someone else. I cannot share it with my neighbor. It's not like a virus which spreads. Faith doesn't spread. Just because you come to church, you just don't get the faith. You have to be convicted and you have to receive Christ into your hearts. And you need to be convinced of the fact that you are a sinner who is guilty and who is going to face eternal death. And you need to come to this experience of salvation through faith. And moving on, it says that it says that go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. They are asking these foolish virgins to go and, and, and try their luck with the dealers. But remember, it's already midnight. And where are they going to get this oil from? And when we come to verse 10, it says that, And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. So while they were going, while they were trying to look for ways and means to get the oil, it says, the bridegroom came. And, and if you look at the theme which is being built up in, in, in the early chapter, you know, his arrival is going to be unexpected. His arrival is going to be unexpected. Now, we don't know when Jesus Christ will come. There is always indication. There are several indications given in the Bible and we are asked to observe as well. And when we observe, we might see certain signs of his coming, but the fact is we don't know. And the Bible says that he will come at a time when, when, when we least expect him to come. The question to ask ourselves is, are we ready? Are we watchful? Are we alert? Do we have Christ in our heart? Because otherwise, you know, none of us should get into the embarrassment of being left out when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Especially when you have tasted a lot of good things about the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard things about him. You've enjoyed the fellowship. You have, you have, you have sung his songs. You've been, you've been part of a lot of events and activities around the church, uh, within the church. After experiencing all of that, if you miss out, it's going to be a case of, you know, you're so near yet so far. I really hope that, um, that you are not in a situation like this. As I was preparing for this message, I was reading through various, uh, various articles which pertain to this particular parable. And uh, there was, uh, there was this, um, uh, this blog which is written by John MacArthur. And what he was saying is that the gospel needs to be repeatedly preached in our churches because there would be several people in our church who need to hear the gospel and who need to repent because they wouldn't have already repented despite the fact that they've been with us for a considerable time. So, so, so once again, I would request you to please think as we are going through this particular parable. And then it says that, uh, that and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And then it says the door was shut. So imagine there were 10 bridesmaids, five of them were ready. The five of them actually embarrassed the couple by not being ready. Now, can the bridegroom go and select another five bridesmaids at the last time? Impossible. It's not going to happen. 
So what does he do? He goes with whoever is ready. He goes with whoever truly honored them by keeping their torches and keeping the oil ready so that the, their big day is not spoiled. Now, I just want us to, to, to just consider this. Today, today, none of us really know how long we're going to be living, especially with all that's happening in the world. There's so much of uncertainty. Um, and you hear news from everywhere which indicate that unexpectedly people are losing their lives. If you die today, where will you be? That's a question which you need to ask yourself. If the Lord Jesus Christ comes today to take his church away, where will you be? Will you be left behind or will you go with him? That's a question which you need to ask yourselves. You know, there is, there is a window of opportunity that we have. And there is a, the window of opportunity is now open for us to confess our sins and to be part of his fold. And we need to make use of that. And the Bible says that today is the time. Today, you need to do it today. Don't wait another day. If you haven't tasted the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would sincerely request you to, to participate in it today. It says that, and, 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 and you know that verse ends abruptly. It says that the door was shut. Imagine that feeling of having the door shut on your face. Have you ever experienced that? Somebody just bangs the door on your face? Or maybe you've, you might have had that experience of somebody banging the phone down on you. I've, uh, I've faced that and, and it feels so embarrassing. You feel, you feel so livid. Now, please don't get caught in that situation because it is always good to have the door shut behind you than the door being shut in front of you. Especially when the door is going to be shut in front of you for all of eternity. Imagine, if you don't make it on the other side, you're going to be leading a life in hell. Not just for a year or two, but for all of eternity. And then from there, there is really no escape. If you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man, he ignored all warnings. And then finally, he wishes that Lazarus comes and, and quenches his thirst by giving him some water. Now, is that possible? No, it's not possible. There is a great divide. You cannot cross from there. Then he finally tells Lazarus to go and preach the gospel to his, to his family members. Is that possible? No, it's not possible. The window of opportunity is closed. So we right now have a window of opportunity. And I would really request you to make use of that and confess all the rationalizing which you might have been doing in your mind or the willful disobedience. You, you, you just wanted to be in association with a good church, but you really didn't want to give your life to Christ. If you, were, if you were on that path, I would really request you to set that aside. And if you're not really clear as to whether you are truly a child of God, it is important that you deal with it and that you talk to somebody in the church. You can talk to one of us. You can approach the elders or you can approach anybody whom you think you're comfortable with. And I'm sure they will help you make this decision. And, and verse 11 says that later, the other versions also came saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But what happens? The door shut. The door shut. Shut and sealed. You cannot enter. No excuses can ever open the door. You've missed the bus. In fact, uh, again in Matthew, if you...
come back a few pages and if you come to Matthew chapter 7, it's interesting where, uh, where this portion about the tree and its fruit. And, and if you look at uh, verse, verse, verse 16 onwards, it says that you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, no figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. One indication for you to know if you are genuinely saved is to see if your life is bearing fruit. Because you need to bear fruit. An apple tree bears apple fruit. A mango tree would bear a mango fruit. So you need to be producing fruit for Christ. Now if you aren't, then it's possibly an indication that you need to talk to somebody. And then verse 20 it says that, So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone, listen to this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. So these are people who are trying to plead once their window of opportunity is, is closed. It says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? So these are people who prophesy who preached in his name. Did we not cast out demons in your name and perform miracles? They apparently did a lot of mighty things in the name of the Lord. But he says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What strong words. What strong words from the Lord. You know, he is compassionate. He is calling you. When the window of opportunity is open, he is calling you. The word of God reminds us that he would like everybody to come to repentance. However, once the door is shut, unfortunately, there is nothing much that can be done. So I would request you to please make the decision uh, today and not delay it. And then in verse 12 it says, But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. I do not know you. You might have preached, you might have sung songs, you might have been part of the choir, you might have been part of the setup team, you might have been a deacon, you might have been an elder, you might have been anybody. But if you didn't have Christ in your heart, if you didn't have the oil in your torch, you are not worthy. You are not worthy to enter the groom's home. And then verse 13, it says that, Be on the alert, for you do not know the day nor the hour. You do not know the day nor the hour when the groom is going to come. You might be thinking that he is delayed. We all generally feel that his coming is imminent, but he is delayed. But the fact is only he knows when he is going to come. And let's be prepared. Let's be eagerly waiting for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because one thing we know is while we don't know when he is going to come, he is certainly going to come. And that is very clear. And let's wait for him eagerly. Let's wait for him eagerly. Let, let, let us wait for him each day expecting him to be coming today or tonight. In the year 2009, there was a Hollywood movie called Hatchie which was released. Richard Gere acted in that. Maybe some of you might have seen it. It is based on a true story uh, and it is based on the life of a dog called Hachiko, uh, which was a dog uh, in, which lived in Japan. Now Hachiko had a master uh, called Professor Yuno and Professor Yuno and Hachiko had a very close relationship. 
Um, and those of you who are dog lovers, those of you who have a dog would really know the kind of bond that develops between a dog and its master. I remember when I was leaving home many years back, uh, my parents had uh, brought in a dog, uh, not to replace me, but, uh, but and, and I have seen the kind of bond that developed between this dog, it was a German Shepherd called Brutus and between Brutus and my parents. And Brutus, uh, you know, for all the wax that he used to get occasionally from my dad, he used to just adore my dad. So Professor Uno had a routine and he would walk up to, uh, to, to the nearby railway station in Japan, which was known as the uh, Shibuya railway station. And, uh, and Hachiko would walk up with him and then he would take a train and go to his workplace. And when he came back in the evening, the dog would be waiting to receive its master. And then they would both go back home. And this was their routine, which was, uh, which was going on for several years, I guess. And one day when Professor uh, took the train and went to his workplace, he died of, uh, if I remember right, he died of a brain hemorrhage. And so he never came back. But this dog was waiting that day to meet its master and it didn't meet uh, the professor and he went back. Uh, he came back the next day at the, at, at the same time that the professor would return, but he didn't get to see the professor obviously. And he did this routine for several days and for several months. And, uh, and the story goes on that uh, he used to come back to this railway station every day for nine years. For nine years the dog would faithfully come to the railway station and wait for his master, to see his master. Uh, the, the, the city people and the town people and the city authorities soon came to realize that there was this dog which was coming every day to the railway station. And then one of Professor Uno's uh, students later did some investigation and found out that this was the professor's dog. And then stories were written about this dog. It came to the national media and this dog became a legend in the whole of Japan. So this is a story which happened in around the 1920s. And when this dog passed away, the city authorities erected a statue of this dog in the railway station uh, in memory of this dog and in memory of this dog's faithfulness and eagerness to meet his master. Do we eagerly wait like this for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Do we really long for His coming? Do we really long for His imminent return? I really hope that uh, we are waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we wait on the Lord, wait for the Lord Jesus Christ and for His coming, uh, let's be confident that we truly have Him in our hearts and we have the Spirit of God residing in our hearts and that we are a new creation and we're genuinely part of the church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this time and we want to thank you for the study. We pray that, um, that you would be with us, Lord, as we meditate on your word, as we, as, we, as we reflect upon what we just heard. And we pray, oh Father, that if there's anyone here who has not really come to that right relationship with you, that you would work in their hearts, your spirit would work in their hearts, you would convince and convict them, Lord, so that they can give their lives to you. And we really pray that those of us who are saved, we pray that with every conversation that we have with people in our church and with, uh, and with our several interactions, Lord, that we would be able to help anyone who might not be sure about their eternity, Lord. And so we pray that uh, we would really be able to come together as a church to help such people who are not sure about, uh, about their uh, uh, eternity and about their future, Lord. Thank you, Father, once again for this time, and we pray that you would give us a blessed week ahead. 